Smith here with another more than one lesson mini so number this is number 66 and I should say that it is now 516 in the morning so I might be adopting some of the hush tones of uh, the early days of the podcast but um, this is uh, I wanted to get this out uh, on Wednesday and so uh, this is the only time that I was uh, free to do that so uh, a couple of things. First off, thanks to Greg Kokel for being on the show last week. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We're getting a lot of good feedback on that. And I, and I do recommend if you like the show, uh, go and listen to Stand to Reason. Um, and you can hear a lot of Greg's uh, arguments and um, and just the way that he approaches uh, uh, issues, both Christian and, and uh, secular. So, uh, so thanks to him for that. Uh, another thing is, uh, so, uh, let's see. So this will be Wednesday. So tomorrow will be my 10th wedding anniversary, which is crazy. Um, but it's got me thinking about marriage in general, as one can assume. And so I'm actually going to be recording another mini. So that will be going up tomorrow or the next day. And I'm going to be talking about marriage. Um, but rather than simply be talking about it, I thought it might be interesting to get your guys either questions or your own comments about marriage or concerns about marriage or anything like that. This is not necessarily going to be like an advice type of thing where, dear Tyler, what do you think is wrong with my marriage or anything like that? But no, it could just be, you could be asking me about my marriage, where I stand, you know. Um, this can be purely anecdotal or it can just be, uh, general concerns and questions you might have. So, uh, please do, uh, email them to me as soon as you can, um, Tyler at more than one lesson.com and I will try to address them, uh, on the air. So, uh, I think that is it. So what I wanted to talk about today, it may sound strange, but between, uh, Greg's appearance last week and then, uh, the discussion of marriage, uh, this week, um, there's, there hasn't been a whole lot of movie talk. And, uh, so I thought I would try to, uh, break that up a little bit with this, uh, and, and it will definitely be a mini-sode. It'll only be a few minutes long, but it's something that I wanted to talk about because it's something I find fascinating. So I recently saw, uh, Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic World and, I had no expectation that it was going to be, um, good really at all. <laughs> and, um, and as a movie, it's, it's fine. It's a, it's, it, it's a nice creature feature. It, it has a lot of elements of like a disaster movie. The perf performances are fine. The special effects are good. I was surprised that they did as many, um, practical effects as they did, um, this story is, of course, ludicrous in a lot of ways, but it, there's, I don't know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I found very entertaining about the movie, but uh, that's actually not what I want to talk about. You can find, uh, and then uh, Travis Fishburne actually wrote a review of the movie, and you can find that at morethanonelesson.com if you want to read more about the, the film itself. What I wanted to talk about was what the film has to say about... It's hard to say. You could say blockbusters. You could say franchise films. You could say uh, crowd pleasers. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, movies that a lot of us see. And then uh, and then 
movies that will perhaps then spark franchises and stuff like that. So, um, the film has a lot to say about that as well as the way those movies are treated and then the way the audience relates to those movies and the way studio executives relate to those movies. It's just, there's so much going on in the film and a lot of reviews have talked about it, uh, to a certain extent. Um, they talk about, you know, early on, uh, and this is even in the trailers that, and by the way, there's going to be a very spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen Jurassic world, don't listen to this. So, um, early on you have characters who now run Jurassic world and they've, they've, they've quote unquote improved upon Jurassic park. And now they're very successful, but people, the audiences are getting a little bit bored after a while. And so they decide what they're going to do is they're going to genetically engineer a new dinosaur. Um, so that people, you know, to up the wow factor, I believe is what they say. And then you have some people commenting that, well, they're dinosaurs, aren't they wow enough? And the answer is no, audiences are getting bored. And so the makers, the, 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 the managers of Jurassic World want to try and do this new thing. And as they do, um, they, they create this thing called the Indominus Rex, which is very large and very smart and very bloodthirsty and uh, almost a little cruel to a certain extent. And so uh, the rest of the film is about trying to figure out how to deal with this thing because it escapes very quickly and just all kind of uh, carnage ensues. So already just in the way that we're talking about it, um, when you look at the first Jurassic Park and this one and then movies in general and how they've changed over the years – you know, it's that uh, audiences used to be pleased by just a, a certain amount of awe and dazzle, but now they're demanding more. They're bored by the things that used to be. And so now you get students, uh, sorry, uh, studio executives uh, making movies, in fact, like Jurassic World, which, you know, incorporates elements from different types of movies. Like I said, there's a, a creature feature, there's uh, disaster pictures all under the banner of Jurassic Park. Um, and so they, they went and create this hybrid film that maybe is not that good of an idea. And so it's strange. The film really does seem self-aware. It knows what it is. It knows the sheer number of people. I mean, the number of people that I know that heard about the story of Jurassic World and rolled their eyes. But of course, we were all going to see it, weren't we? You know, I'm sure there are people in the world of Jurassic Park, uh, uh, pardon me, the world of Jurassic World, um, and thought they hear about the Indominus Rex and they think, oh my gosh, what a terrible idea. Of course, I'm going to go see it. You know, what? how could I not? It's the first en genetically engineered dinosaur. I'm going to go see it. And so, um, so that's, that's the basic thing. That's the basic level. Um, and most reviews talk about that and then they move on. But I think the film all throughout is constantly commenting on, on these ideas about what a blockbuster is and audi and audiences, uh, audiences boredom and that sort of thing. And then what people try to do with it. But I think it has to do, I, I think it also talks about 
our history and our past relationship with these movies and then what may and certain things like what makes a classic you know you have some things are very obvious you have jake johnson's character who frankly looks very hipsterish and looks like he would appreciate things that were older just for the sake of appreciating uh, just you know because they are older um he wears a jurassic park shirt um, and when someone says, Hey, that's in poor taste and he's, he goes, he goes, Oh, he goes, I know, I know people died, but at the same time, that Jurassic park, that original Jurassic park was great. Now, of course he's talking about, uh, the park itself and, but he's, it's obvious he's talking about the film as well. So, so sometimes it's very, it's, it's very obvious like that. But to me, I feel like it goes so much deeper. I think anytime you see a velociraptor or a T-Rex on screen, I think those are really wonderful metaphors for what the original Jurassic Park was because we have a relationship with the T-Rex and we have a relationship with the velociraptors. We know we, we have an association with them. Um, and so, but then we do with other dinosaurs as well. And so one thing that I find interesting is the subplot in which Vincent D'Onofrio's character is convinced that these raptors can be used for his own gain. Uh, you know, it, kind of standard uh, alien uh, attitude of the company um, that will use this for, you know, national defense or something like that. But so Chris Pratt's character has been engaging with these raptors for a long time and, and has a great deal of respect for them and really has come to love them. But he also knows that there's more there than just what he likes and what he has a relationship with, that they are unique animals and they need to be shown respect and only when you respect them will they only begin to do what you want them to do vincent d'onofrio's character he sees oh hey we can do anything we want with these guys so we're gonna i'm gonna do it i don't care there's no respect for the animal in his character um and i believe there's you know there's talk of uh of owning the animals and uh you know, he says, we, we do own these animals, you know, and so thus we can do whatever we want with them. We, and, and so, and it's worth noting that his character eventually winds up being killed by, uh, by a uh, velociraptor. But so, okay. So all this is well and good, but when you look at it a certain way, so what are we looking at? We're looking at, if you, if you approach the, the raptors as a metaphor for, let's say the original Jurassic Park, Okay, there's a film that has now launched, has has had three sequels, and each one has gotten on. You know, the second one's not very good, third one's not very good, uh, and then you come to the fourth one, and by now, I mean the film is, you know, Jurassic World is breaking all kinds of records, and it's crazy, but, um, but at the same time, nobody was guaranteed. That wasn't guaranteed, and and since Jurassic Park three and Jurassic World. Uh, Jurassic Park has become this phenomenon. It's become just a cultural staple. We now know, I mean, how many people knew what a velociraptor was before Jurassic Park? Now all of us know what it is. Um, and so, you know, when you're going to make another Jurassic Park movie, yeah, you could just say like, all right, it's Jurassic Park. We all know what it is. 
it's going to make a lot of money anyway, so who cares? We don't really need to pay tribute to the original. We don't need to be respectful of the original. We can just do what we want, and the Jurassic Park brand will work for us. For us, These images will work for us, and everything will be fine. But one thing I find interesting is that the way Jurassic World was marketed was, I mean, you look at the poster. It's There's Chris Pratt on a motorcycle uh, running next to uh, these raptors. Um, but if you've seen the movie, you know that almost immediately, I mean, this was, this is the, the image that, that has been used to sell the film, but within a solid minute of the Raptors being freed and the Raptors being quote unquote, our friends, um, they turn on us. They didn't do what we wanted them to do. We thought we had it all figured out. We thought we knew the formula for how to get these to do what we wanted them to do. And then they turn on us. And now they're more, they're, they, they can't be controlled. They're bigger than our desires. They're bigger than our goals. And, uh, only after a while, only when Chris Pratt finally reestablishes his respect for these things, do they then go back to being on his side. And I, I genuinely think that, that for those that do like Jurassic World, um, and there are a lot of critics that don't, but I think for those that do like Jurassic World, I think they acknowledge that this feels closer to Jurassic Park. It feels like, you know, there are moments, it, you know, a lot of it is, you know, big explosions and craziness and that sort of thing, but it, there are, they do take small moments, uh, like the first one did to kind of, be in awe of these creatures and their world and that sort of thing. And so, uh, but what I also like is that it's a film that is perpetually, um, it's fascinated with the original Jurassic Park as the, as the two kids are running away from the Indominus Rex, they run across the, the old like welcome center of Jurassic Park. And they see all these old things that we have an association with. We have an association with night vision goggles. They don't. And it's almost this idea that an acknowledgement that, you know, Jurassic Park came out 22 years ago and any kid that is currently watching Jurassic World, if they love it, it's only a matter of time before they go to, they go back to Jurassic Park. They see where it began. And when they do, they will be fascinated. They will be mystified by it and they'll be excited about it. Um, that is, I think, the nature of movies. I, I remember something that my, uh, when I first saw LA Confidential, I saw it with my dad and I remember I was raving about it. I was 15 years old. I'd never seen a movie, uh, quite like that, uh, in the theater. And I remember my dad said, well, you know, if you like LA confidential, you should go watch uh, Chinatown. And there is, there's an aspect of movies that says, Oh, if you like this thing that's new, then you'll probably like this other thing. And certainly when it comes to franchises, if you see the new one and you like it, everyone's going to point you to the original and say, Oh, you want good? Check this out. And so these kids are going back to Jurassic park they started at Jurassic World and they ended at Jurassic Park. So that's another, so those are some images. And it's like, yes, and the, 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 the visitor center has been destroyed and it's overgrown and all that. But like the iconography still holds power for those of us that have seen the original. We see those Jeeps. We see the night vision goggles. We see the, the banner that said, you know, when dinosaurs ruled the earth at the end of Jurassic Park, we see all of these things and we have an emotional connection 
to them. And I think the film, it's not merely, I don't think it's exploiting that connection. I think it's acknowledging where this film came from and where movies like this came from, whether it be the fifth or sixth film in the franchise or, or, or it's a reboot or something like that. So, but then there are other things as well. For example, there's a scene when it has been established that the Indominus Rex is killing for sport. See, that's one of the things that I also like is that the Indominus, this thing that has been created, not out of curiosity. You know, John Hammond in the first, uh, in the first film, yes, he might have turned it into a theme park, but it started with curiosity. Uh, the Indominus was never a, a function of curiosity. Uh, it was a function of, of greed and profit and exploitation. And so as a result, this dinosaur is never allowed awe or majesty in the first film the t-rex i mean we are allowed i mean this is a this is a thing that terrorizes our characters and yet we always have respect for it we always are in awe of it and we think it's great we think it's genuinely awesome the indominus is merely scary and bloodthirsty and awful and it is the villain how on earth can an animal be a villain well because of the way that it was made the 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 uh, motives uh, that caused it to be made. And in that same way, you know, there are, there are movies that are created solely to make profit. They're made with a, with a bloodthirsty, greedy attitude. And those movies are never going to have the heart that movies uh, that other movies, whether they be blockbusters or otherwise, um, they don't have the heart of those movies because those movies are made uh, with real passion on the part of the filmmaker, whereas these other movies are made uh, just to make money and be exploitative, and thus they are less human. Uh, they're le- they're just you know. I mean, I've heard I've heard people refer to certain movies that do great at the box office and just like, oh man, that movie is just a monster. Like they talk about it being a monster, this thing that just gobbles up food, uh, uh, money, and stuff like that. But anyway, so. When it's been established that the Indominus Rex is um, is killing for sport, we see a scene in which Chris Pratt and um, Bryce Dallas Howard, they run across a dying, um, I don't think it's officially a Brachiosaurus. I think I read somewhere that it's like an Apatosaurus, which I guess makes sense because it's not quite as big as, as those other ones. But um, But what I will say is, First off, I'm, I'm thrilled that it was a, uh, that it was a practical effect, that it wasn't CGI. Um, but what's interesting is as they go and hold it while it's dying, that scene is very evocative of the, of the sick triceratops scene from the first film. And so anytime that there's a film, a scene that feels like and is, and is purposely echoing uh, the scene in the other film, you need to, you look for the similarities, but you also have to look at the differences. So what are the differences? In the first film, the Triceratops is merely sick. In this one, the Trice, the, the Apatosaurus, if that's what we're saying is, the Apatosaurus has been hurt. It has been, in fact, killed. It is laying there because something hurt it. And it's worth noting, that the Apatosaurus does bear a great deal of resemblance to a Brachiosaurus. What is the first film? What is the first dinosaur we see in Jurassic Park? We see a Brachiosaurus in all its glory. We see it there just, and the, and John Williams music plays and we, and our jaws drop and we just 
look in awe, just like the characters do, at this amazing giant thing. And we can't imagine, and, and there's a sense of wonder to it. And now, now in this film, that thing, that thing that used to have so much wonder, that thing used to have the wow factor, and it has been killed by the thing that has been slapped together to make profit. And then when it zooms out, you see that a whole bunch of them has, have been killed. So it's evocative of the, of the sick triceratops scene, but it uses the imagery of the first dinosaur we saw and that you, that was used to introduce us to the world of Jurassic Park. Um, and so, we really get a sense of like an innocent thing is dying because it was killed. And so, uh, so I don't know. So that kind of, I think, uh, goes back to, you know, you hear people talk about such and such a movie, like raped their childhood or whatever it is. And, uh, of course that imagery is, is pretty rough, but when you look at what this is, this is the sense of awe from the original film is, has been, completely destroyed in the name of creating this mo- this this monster that is going to pretend, uh, perhaps make a lot of money. Um so moving on, one thing from the ver- from the first trailer for Jurassic World that everybody including me saw was the I think it's called like the uh, Mosasaurus or something like that. It's the uh, it's the water dinosaur from the film. We see a dead great white shark be hauled over uh uh, hoisted over um, the water, and then the the Mosasaurus um, jumps up and and grabs it, and you know a lot of people, including myself, saw that and thought, oh, okay, that seems like a little uh, a little nod to Jaws and sort of a way of saying, uh, oh, it's you know, look, you think that shark was big? Look at this. Uh, it could also be a nice um, a nice uh, uh, nod to the idea of jumping the shark. Um, you know, which is when a TV series or a movie series just goes so far around the bend that there's just no coming back. And in a film where, you know, as we all know, the Raptors can be trained and be our buddies and all that, um, people could say, oh, they jumped the shark. And it's almost like the film is saying, oh, not only have we jumped the shark, we're actually eating it now. Um, but it, but that's the thing. Like, I think the, the presence of that great white shark is meant to, uh, is meant to evoke Jaws. And so I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, so then as the film goes on, then it's the creators of the Indominus Rex have come to realize just how big this thing is and just how, how unstoppable it is. And they realize, oh my gosh, this is not, what have we done? You know, they regret it and they team up with the Raptors uh, to try and fight it. And then they realize they can't. And so then they go to maybe the, the, the biggest symbol of the first Jurassic park. And that is of course the T-Rex. And it is in fact the original T-Rex from that film. Um, and so they pull it out and they have no, you know, this thing is not on their side. This thing would eat them as soon as, as soon as it could. But when faced with the larger threat, it's the Indominus versus the T-Rex and they fight each other. And it is worth noting 
that when the time comes for the T-Rex and the Indominus to fight, the T-Rex bursts through a dinosaur skeleton. What skeleton is it? Why, it's the Spinosaurus from the third Jurassic Park. The dinosaur that was, uh, that was, uh, I don't think it was created specifically for that movie, but they certainly created it so that it's like, oh, it's bigger and badder than a, than a T-Rex and, and you see a Spinosaurus uh, kill the T-Rex very quickly in that film. And I remember everybody just thought like the Spinosaurus is not frightening the way the T-Rex was. It doesn't really have much screen presence like the T-Rex did. It's just kind of there. And, um, like nobody talks about the Spinosaurus the way they do even the, the Velociraptor or even the Dilophosaurus from the first film that kills Nedry. Um, and so, uh, so it's worth noting that like, okay, the T-Rex first almost as a little, uh, as a little bit of uh, revenge on the concept of the Spinosaurus bursts through the Spinosaurus skeleton in order to fight the Indominus Rex. And it does what it can. And, and for a while it looks like the Indominus is going to win. And then the, the Raptors get back involved and then, and then eventually the, the, the T-Rex and the Velociraptor, uh, fight this thing and do, and, and, it's worth noting, and and so, and we're rooting for them. We're rooting for the dinosaurs we know. We're rooting for the ones we're comfortable with, even though those raptors are very frightening. We remember the kitchen scene from the first Jurassic Park, one of the most terrifying and suspenseful scenes we've ever witnessed. Uh, but we're familiar with the raptor. We're familiar with the T Rex, and familiarity in this case means that we are comfortable with them. We are not comfortable with the Indominus. We saw what it did to that Apatosaurus. And so, um, so they're fighting with the thing and we're rooting for it and we're rooting for it. That's right. Yes. It doesn't matter, uh, how much profit this thing would have brought in. It doesn't matter how powerful it is. We're, you know, we've chosen our side and our side is with the original, uh, because anytime somebody sees a sequel, invariably they're going to compare it to the original. And this is to me a, a representation of that. But you know what? Here's something that I find particularly interesting is that, and this is when I get into the idea of talking about blockbusters. Um, so what we're witnessing is we're witching, we're witnessing Jurassic Park beat out Jurassic World and the, you know, as far as quality and as far as our loyalties. But what I like is that as we're rooting for Jurassic Park, what does the T-Rex do? It drags the Indominus to the ocean and then out comes that. Ma, uh, Mosasaurus and drags it in. And to me, since Jaws was invoked earlier and Jurassic Park was directed by the same guy that made Jaws, and because Jaws is largely considered to be the first blockbuster, um, that seems sort of, that seems kind of like a comment to me. There's no reason that Mosasaurus needs to be the, needs to be the hero in that moment. It could have absolutely been the T-Rex. But no, it seems somehow appropriate that like if we're going to talk about this, if we're going to to really reflect on what it, on what it, on the history of the blockbuster and our association with it, then it's only a matter of time before we go back to the original and show you what these, what this stuff is all about. And it is worth noting the Jurassic World comes out 40 years later, like 40, exactly 40 years after Jaws. And, you know, and then when the, at the end of the film, you know, our heroes, our human heroes, uh, are, you know, they're safe and everybody's going to be all right. But then the film ends with our real hero, which is the T-Rex. It goes up and it roars a triumphant roar as if to say, 
yeah, like this is my island and it's only ever been my island. The humans can come and go. The other dinosaurs can come and go, but this is mine and I'm not going anywhere. And it all, it almost, it, to me, it almost seems as though that's what they're saying about the actual Jurassic Park, that it's not going anywhere. We can make our little sequels and they'll be, I say little, of course, Jurassic World was huge, but like we'll make our sequels, but we can't beat that original and we're not even going to try it. To me, it seems like Colin Trevorrow acknowledging the movie that he is making, acknowledging one just through symbolism and through our own association with these images Acknowledging that it's kind of that it's okay that that Jurassic World takes liberties with the with the original and with and with the series um, that that's okay because eventually we're going to go back to the original anyway. Nobody's ever going to say Jurassic World's their favorite movie of all time. They might say about Jurassic Park, and then to go back further, they might and in fact probably will say it about Jaws, um, and so. As I've been thinking about this, I thought, okay, am I just really reaching? And I'll say this, uh, no, I don't think I am because I think Colin Trevorrow, who is one of the writers and the director, I think he's a sensitive and intelligent enough guy that I think he could absolutely put this stuff in there um, and would actually want to. And I think he would be so overwhelmed with the job of making the fourth Jurassic Park film, the first one in, I think, 14 or 15 years, um, that I think he would turn the film into a little commentary on what it is to try to go back and do this. Um, and then, uh, but more than that, like, I had heard about this, the basic stuff, and in the trailers they talk about how, oh, well, people are bored by dinosaurs. Like, I had heard about all that already, and I had heard that, that it drops it pretty quick. And And frankly, going in as a viewer, I was willing to drop it too. But then right and left, I just saw this. I saw the way the characters talked about the raptors. I saw the kids going to the original visitor center of Jurassic Park. I saw the apatosaurus laying there like the uh, the sick triceratops. I saw, you know, I saw the the dinosaurs that we're rooting for. They're just animals. It's entirely possible that when the T Rex uh, kills the Indominus, it's going to turn around and hunt us. But we know that's not going to happen. We know it. We're more comfortable with it. Um, and just over and over, like I kept dismissing this idea as I was watching the film, thinking like, you're reaching, this is ridiculous. And ju- and every time I was about to dismiss it, here comes another scene, another bit of symbolism. And I think, no, there it is. It's there all the way through. And that to me is what makes Jurassic World kind of brilliant a very interesting kind of meta examination of itself, its genre, its franchise, and then the, then the nature of franchises, the nature of our history with movies, whether they be, you know, part of a franchise or, or one specific blockbuster or crowd pleaser or whatever, something that we take to heart and it becomes a part of us. And then some interloper comes along and tries to make another one. Um, I don't know. I, it's, you, you're welcome to email me, TylerMoreThanOneLesson.com, and, you know, first get in your marriage questions. But then after that, um, feel free to, to weigh in, or you can put it in, in the comments section of, of the website. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, 
I'm the only one I know that is this excited about this aspect of the film. Uh, so I might be alone on this and you're welcome to say that I'm, that I'm reaching, except I, I wasn't trying to. I arrived here organically. So, uh, anyway, I think that's it. This has gone on longer than I thought it was going to be, but that's all right because I'm, ex- I'm excited as you can tell. So, um, yeah. So as I said, do get your marriage, uh, questions and comments in, in the next, frankly, 24 hours. Uh, cause I'm going to record, uh, that episode fairly early, uh, on Thursday. So, uh, thank you all for listening and I'll get you next time. Bye.